I think obviously once you start learning it and you, you really like the business, I think education, media, writing a book, doing blogs is just the next progression towards it. I mean, it's going to take a few years for you to do it. I, I worked at Jake and Gino for about two to three years before we started monetizing on it. Just wrote blogs, wrote articles, figured out the, the marketing aspect of it. It was a lot of fun, but I think that's the natural progression. Hi, you're listening to Ready to Scale, the second season of That Really Happened. This season is focused on APS of real estate, asset, process, and strategy. Each guest on the show will reveal the assets they invest in and why they chose to do so. From multifamily to industrial, self-storage, mobile home parks, and more. Then, they'll uncover the processes, tools, and systems they've used to build multi-million dollar businesses. And finally, they'll uncover new, unique, and exciting strategies to invest in real estate. From co-working to buy and hold, fix and flips, co-living, and much, much more. Now let's get the show started. Hey guys, welcome to Ready to Scale. I'm Ellie Perlman, your host broadcasting from sunny California. When I'm not behind the mic, I buy multifamily properties with passive investors who partner with me on my deals. So this month, I'm giving away a property tour guide. This document will walk you through the process of touring a property what to look for, and what to ask when you tour an apartment building. You can find the guide at ellieperlman.com slash resources. If you enjoy the podcast, please take a minute to rate us. And don't forget to like and follow along with me on social media as well. All right. So for today's show, my guests today are Jack Stenciano and Gino Barbaro. They're the co-hosts of the Wheelbarrow Profits podcast. So Jake and Gino have an interesting story. They decided to venture into investing together back when Jake was working as a full-time drug rep and Gino owned an, and operated his own restaurants for 20 years. So now they have both left those careers behind and together they run a successful syndication business. They've also opened a philanthropic company called Rand Cares. And their newest book, The Honeybee, was also just recently released. Welcome to the show, Jake and Gino. I'm so glad to have you here today. Ellie, thanks for having us. Thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. So tell me a little bit about the company that you launched recently, Rent Cares. What is it all about? Well, let's go back to when Jake and I first started, because if it wasn't for that first- Can we deal, talk about pizza too? Yeah. <laughs> we can talk about Jake's chicken. I had, a, I had a dish at my restaurant called Jake's Chicken. He had a dish named after me, and I didn't even have a name named the dish after myself. So, you know, back then it was hard. I mean, it was hard to find money back then. It was a lot of deals back in 2013. There was not a lot of money, right? So we decided to buy our own deals. We started investing in our own assets. We bought a 25 unit. It took us 18 months to buy that. Three months after that, we bought a 36 unit. Six months after that, we bought 136 units. So the first thousand units that Jake and I acquired, we bought them in-house. We were able to refi over $9 million from those deals and continue to buy just because we did no syndication and we just felt comfortable with that model. And from us, it was just learning, committing, learning, committing, and learning. And as that progress went, we started creating those multiple streams of revenue that you talked about before, whether it was the media company, whether it was Jake and Gino whether it was the property management company, whether it was the syndication company, whether it's the capital company. And I think everyone out there just has to take it a step at a time. We had no idea what multiple streams of revenue were. We just knew we wanted to get out of our day jobs. I hated my job. He hated his job. 
And we just wanted to be multifamily. I didn't want to fix and flip homes. Jake didn't want to do the same thing. We wanted to control our own destiny. We didn't know all the benefits of multifamily. We just knew passive income and we knew maybe make a little bit of money on the side and we'll see what happens. And I think Jake, you can add to that. I'm, I'm sure, but that's what our goal was. Yeah. Yeah, no, I have a lot to add to it. And, and the interesting thing is, is that it's, it's a real estate company at the end of the day. Syndication is just one of the tools in our tool belt. And, you know, it just multifamily, it fit our why. We wanted to be providers. We wanted to be able to take care of our families. And that was one of the most important things to Gino and I when we first met. So I think anytime that someone's partnering with somebody, make sure that you share similar goals, you have similar work ethics, and, and those things really matter for the long term. I think multifamily, you know, one of the most important things with it is you have to take the long view. And just to get back to your question, Ellie, about the Grand Cares, this was something that we couldn't have done when we started because we didn't have the means to do it. But now that we've been successful in multifamily, we're able to now give back. And this year alone, we fed over 15,000 kids for Thanksgiving. We partnered with the Boys and Girls Club to build a playground in, in one of our local markets. Unfortunately, one of our uh, property managers had a brother that was tragically killed in a car accident and did not have insurance. And we raised over $8,000 for the family just this last week. So it's really amazing the things that you can do when you're successful and, and you bring some great people together. Ultimately, we focus on people, systems, and culture. And while multifamily is the right vehicle, it, it is a business. And when you get into the business, it's so important to focus on your people, your systems, and your culture. And that's how you scale and grow and you're able to manage multiple businesses and multiple streams of income. Yeah, and that's great. And I think, you know, it's really interesting to me also to understand when you just started, how did you guys meet and how did you start even thinking about real estate? Because you were, you know, you had a pizza restaurant actually, and the other one was in the pharmaceutical industry. So how do you go from there to invest in real estate? Well, I had parents who were investing in real estate. They had triplexes and quads and they were small, but they, they wanted to stay small because ironically for me, we had a good place. The restaurant made money, but after 2008, things changed. And you know, I had one restaurant in 25 years and now I've got 1500 units in five. So it really doesn't make any sense other than the people you partner with and your mindset and when you shift your paradigm. So for me, I really knew the model. I had coached, I had spent a lot of money. I, we always say education times action equals results. And we spent a ton of money on our education. And I, I don't see as a cost. I see it as an investment. So for me, it was great. I had a couple of terrible investments early on and I said, I'm doing taking this massive action. I'm not getting educated. So it wasn't the mobile home park that I messed up on or the strip mall that I messed up. It was myself actually. So I went and got educated. And then I met Jake back in 2009. And when I sat with him in 2011 at the restaurant, I found he was moving from New York to Tennessee. I'm like, dude, I love the market down there. I know the asset prices are great. I don't think Jake really knew anything about multifamily at the time. So I sort of coached him along, but he was boots on the ground. That's why it took us a little while to get those deals because it was, Jake's a sales guy. So, you know, at the time being a little bit aggressive with the brokers, pushing them a little bit, you know, you have Stenziano and Barbaro in, you know, in the Southeast. It's not the easiest names to get a deal from in the beginning when they don't know you. So for us, we knew we wanted multifamily. We knew we wanted it. We stuck with it. And for us, that first deal took us 18 months. And what I liked about it was a 25 unit deal. It wasn't too big. It was just the right size for us. It was all contiguous, which is what you want in multifamily. And it just gets you in the, in the game. Think big, but start small. 
Yeah. And it was the right vehicle. I mean, I had a doctor that was, you know, coaching me. I mean, picture this, it was, I think it started in, in 08, but healthcare reform was going on, you know, pharmaceutical companies were contracting. So every year I would get a, you know, an email from the company saying, you know, go sit by your phone. We're going to call you and we'll let you know if you'll have a job or not the next day. And it was always around the holidays and it was just a very stressful situation. And so I was like, eventually my number is going to get called. I was sick of living that type of lifestyle. And I saw the people that I, that I was calling on for work going through similar things. All their offices were being bought up by these big healthcare companies and the doctors were losing their autonomy. They used to own their practices and there was only one doctor left. Imagine that in, in the entire area that I was calling on that still owned his practice. And I, and I asked him, why, why are you the only one that's able to still do this? And he said, Jake, I own real estate all up and down the East Coast. And so it doesn't matter to me. I enjoy being a doctor. I do it because it's what I'm passionate about. And I want to continue doing that. So he was able to keep his autonomy. And for me, that freedom and control in my life and be able to, you know, not worry about the things that are happening around me or, or some corporate, you know, executive that's going to make a bad decision and then I'm going to pay for it. That was huge. And that's where I really got the bug. And then I met Gino a little while after that. And, you know, I don't want to say the rest is history, but that's where it got started. So, yeah. And Jake, I think what you just shared with us is an amazing insight where if you start investing in real estate at some point, if you make the right decisions, it will give you the freedom to do what you want to do, regardless of how much money you're making. So mm -hmm. you're not, you know, because I see a lot of people that are, they're stuck in a certain job because they have to pay the bills and they don't like it or, and, and they're, you know, they can't really do what they like to do in life because it doesn't really pay the bills. And so that actually real estate gives you that freedom. And I think this is a really, really good point. So I wanted to ask, you, you know, you guys are doing, you're focusing in multifamily properties. Why do you choose that as your core business? Well, for us, it was really simple. I didn't want to flip a house. I already had a full-time job. I wanted that residual income. I, I always tell people transactions pay the bills and equity makes you rich. And unfortunately, we live in a dopamine-filled instant gratification society where they can't wait 18 months for a cash-out refi. I know it's hard. There's brokers out there that, and Jake said it on, on a podcast, I think two weeks ago, how are brokers bringing us some of these deals when they should be buying them or getting equity in these deals? I think it's just a short term. And when you have an immig immigrant mentality like me, I give you the farmer example. My dad was a farmer. You plant the seed, you water the seed, you better, you better take care of it. You better pray to God that it doesn't get damaged. And hopefully six months later, you can cultivate it. Most people don't have that long time horizon because we've been taught that we want something instant. And multifamily, for the most part, is not instant. We've had deals with obviously the cash flow day one, but the value add component to be able to refinance that property. It's a good 18 to 24 month process. And working through that, what the great thing is, once you've done it once, you're hooked. I remember telling Jake in our first deal, Jake, I said, we're going to refi this deal. I'm all excited. And he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm trying to explain it to my wife and I just see the vision and I know there's pain there, right? But after we did that first one, he's like, yep, now I get it. And then once you get it, there is no going back. I mean, it's like the, it's like the best feeling in the world. So, I mean, for us it really was the control. We didn't mind so much about waiting to cash out because we knew there was a payment down the road. And we just continued to buy those assets. I see you're smiling. Hey, no, listen, I'm, I'm honored right now because I just, the, the G-Dad just quoted me. So now I'm going to quote the G-Dad because on that same <laughs> podcast, he was talking about buying assets. And the reason that he buys assets is because he doesn't want to live in this, 
slavery mentality where I got to put money over here and save for, a, a, you know, on my 401k and I got to put money over here and save for college. I want to put my money to work and buy an asset that's going to be able to pay for my son to go to college. And when my son's done, that same asset is still paying me every month and it can pay for my daughter. And if I need, you know, something else, I'll go buy another asset to pay for a vacation, whatever the case may be. So it's creating a lifestyle through these assets that's, that's able to take care of your needs, not setting a little peanut over here and a little nickel over there, you know, praying for the day that I'll hopefully build up enough. No, we want to go out and buy assets that will pay for our lifestyle. And yeah, it's, it, it took a little while, but I knew that I wanted yield early on and I wanted to be in more control. And, and fortunately, we found the right vehicle. And Ellie, I, I tell all your listeners, I challenge them to go out there and just Google what fractional reserve banking is. If people understand what's going on in the banking system and all the money that's being printed, I mean, our assets have just elevated. I mean, money is worthless. That fiat currency is worthless. I can't wait till the Jake and Gino Bitcoin comes out. I'm working on it, Jake. It's going to come out soon. But I mean, the money supply and the money flow, the middle class is getting a 6% raise. But you know what? Rents are going up 4 to 5%. So we have an inflation hedge. We have a yes. great cost segregation. We have great tax benefits. We have great yield principal pay down, all those benefits that are there. And on top of it, I want to be the banker. I want to go to the bank and say, here, here's my money. You can lend it one and lend out at five. And then you lend out 10 times that when you're making 20 times your money. If you really sit down and look at that, you'll get disgusted. And then you'll be able to say to yourself, now it's my turn to become the bank. The silent killer. Inflation is the silent killer, folks. Everyone overlooks it. It's not going on. That's the silent tax, the silent killer, whatever you want to say. And listen, you could fall asleep at the wheel as a multifamily operator and not increase your rents, but that's on you. At least you have the opportunity to keep up with it by owning these assets. And that is huge. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think this is a great segue to our second part, talking about process. You mentioned, Gino, that you want to be the banker. You want to take you know some of your profits and create another source of income from those profits. And this is also, you know, you're talking about it, your new book. But basically, you know, the strategy of managing multiple streams of income. You know, when I'm looking at multifamily, you're absolutely right. It, it's a, a great hedge against inflation. It's making you money as you sleep. You can have the freedom to do what you love doing. But then the question is, and I challenge you on that, and I'm really, you know, eager to hear the answer. Why, you know, creating multiple streams of income from different, you know, businesses, why not just focus on one thing that you know how to do and you do it well and do only this. So picture this, back in 2013, I had three streams of revenue. One was my restaurant job, another one was a little fourplex property, and another one was a $25,000 note. Today, I have over 23 streams of revenue. So when one of those streams or one of six of those streams or 10 of those streams is not firing, the other 13 are firing. And I think the problem is, I think everyone should go out there and read the book by Garrett Gunderson, Killing Sacred Cows. Because we're so brought up into a scarcity mindset. I don't own that stream entirely. Jake and Gino is owned by Jake and Gino. I mean, Jake can't do day-to-day education. I do day-to-day education. Jake does day-to-day property management. We work well together. We brought another partner on to do our syndication. So the pie is not finite, as most people say. It's not a zero-sum game. We're able to make money because we're actually growing it. And that's why when you start out, it's very difficult in the beginning because everyone comes from a, a scarcity mindset. There's no abundance mindset. Everyone wants the whole pie. I'd rather have one slice of 30 pies 
than having, you know, one pie all by myself. There's no risk involved in there. And Ellie, the other problem is, not the problem, the other beautiful thing is education works so well with syndication. Our students, if they want to learn how to syndicate, they invest with us, right? Our media company really gives us great publicity. We go out there, it gives us great credibility when we're talking to brokers. We know what we're talking about. In education, to be honest with you, the best thing about being education is staying tuned to the market. You learn, you do, and then you teach. And when you start teaching, you become a much better investor and you get out there and you speak to people who are a lot smarter than you. You speak to people like yourself who are doing it. You get different tips and different strategies and stuff that you never learned. So, I mean, it all works really well together. If our students need a mortgage, hey, we've got a mortgage company. Let's do that. So, we're not running these things in all by ourselves in a, in a bubble. We have amazing people on there. And for me, it was a progression. I stunk at hiring. I was a crappy employer because I thought the employees were the problem. And in fact, it was, I was the problem. And until I learned that concept and I said, we don't attract what we want, we attract what we are. When you grow into that person that Jake talks about, the people and the systems and the culture, and it takes time and it, you have to work on yourself. You have to go through a ton of personal development and get coached by the right people. And as you can grow and you start scaling into that and you start surrounding yourself with amazing people, like Jake, like a Dylan, like a Josh, like a Jen, all of a sudden things start happening. And these streams don't happen all by themselves. They can happen in an ecosphere that can really work well together. And keep in mind, it's all in one lane. So if you ask me what my business is, I own apartments. Okay. And in everything that we've talked about, we finance the apartments, we manage the apartments, we teach on the apartments, we do podcasts on the apartments, we have asset management based around the apartments, we'll syndicate around the apartments. These are all tools leading up to the greater business of owning apartments. So essentially, it reduces our fees, our costs are lower, we understand all the ins and outs. So if you know, a broker says, well, I need a, you know, a 2% origination fee on this, we're saying, oh, okay, we're, we're doing it ourselves. You're so the all these broker. things, yeah, it, exactly. But it really is, it is one business and it's just owning and controlling the entire process through vertical integration. So you're, you're looking at it saying, well, they're different businesses. And we were talking before that you're in the, the syndication business. Well, I consider myself an apartment owner and that's my business. And the rest of these things are just tools that, that you know, essentially serve me and, and Gino and, and the ownership. So that's, I think that's the mentality that we've taken to this. Yeah, that's great. And I think, you know, when you're you're talking about a vertical integration and, and basically you have a core business, which is multifamily. And from there, you're basically creating multiple streams, verticals of income. So if you're talking about the process, what helps you determine which additional potential streams, you know, from your core business are worth the effort and which, you know, are not going to be a good idea because there's so many ideas of how you can take multifamily and spin it. You can do so many things. What's the process, yeah, you know, for you guys to determine? Sure. I, I think it depends on the opportunity. There's additional things that we're looking at that like, for example, the next year we'll probably take flooring in-house because we have our own property management. We have our own renovations team. So we'll probably take flooring in-house because I think it'll probably yield an additional $150,000, you know, to $200,000 this year, which will be fantastic. And then we're also looking at doing our own renter's insurance uh, through a captive, you know, in the coming year as well. And it just based on the opportunity, it's based on the current projects and, and the bandwidth. We coach people, but we also get coached. So we're doing something, you know, have you, have you heard of the Rockefeller Habits? Uh, no, I haven't. 
it's a way to, you know, integrate systems into your culture. And, and so it's something we're going through right now through scaling up and you know, we'll have our quarterly priorities. And we know that, you know, this, what we're focusing on, we'll have maybe three to five quarterly priorities for each business unit. And we'll make sure that we're not overloading because early on, there's a big thrust, there's a big push when you're starting these businesses. And one thing that Gina and I were guilty of is basically taking a machine gun to the team and saying, all right, everyone go, let's do these 50 million things. We got to get them done tomorrow. Go, go, go. And, and the problem was there's burnout there. And so yeah. we're saying, okay, we need to be more systematic. We need to be more controlled and, and we need to start ranking these things. And then, and, and it's, it's really cool because now you'll see these are the quarter one priorities and they'll be like, Hey, we want to do this. Well, the captive insurance really didn't fit in because it was going to put you know too much strain on the business. So that's actually a Q2 priority now. And we're starting that towards the end of March. So it, it's just, you know, getting into your rhythm, finding the appropriate way to do things so people aren't being burdened. And if it's not you know, perfect for today, when can we execute it? And who's going to be the person to take ownership of that? That kind of has fallen in line with, with our scaling up Rockefeller habit coaching. So. I think the people out there, the listeners out there should just look at their own personal situation. For us, mm-hmm. our first vertical is property management because Jake was in the market. So Jake wanted to learn. So that's the net. It depends where you are. If you're in a capital market, you know, California, New York, you might not be buying deals in your state, might be buying out of your state. So maybe your first vertical might be syndication, raising capital. That might be your first vertical. But if you're in, let's say, Cleveland, Ohio, and you're buying deals inside your market, maybe your first vertical is property management. I think obviously, once you start learning it and you you really like the business, I think education, media, writing a book, doing blogs is just the next progression towards it. I mean, it's going to take a few years for you to do it. I I worked at Jake and Gino for about two to three years before we started monetizing on it. Just wrote blogs, wrote articles, figured out the, the marketing aspect of it. It was a lot of fun, but I think that's the natural progression. See where you are, see what you're good at, see what you like. Because property management is really a thankless job. It's one of those things that makes you super efficient. It doesn't bring in a ton of revenue for you, but when you're running these assets and you're running them for investors, it's really good to know that, hey, I'm vertically integrated. I'm running my own properties. And it's, it's a good way to look at it. So that one may not be as much for monetizing, but asset management, you can monetize it. I like that way. So where you are really makes sense. And I think the education after you bought your first deal, maybe 18 months to 24 months after you've done that, get on some blogs, do some articles, podcasts. It's a lot of work. There's a lot of you know leeway and it's another vertical. The syndication aspect with raising capital is another one. Start building that investor database. So substantive relationships mean a lot. So start talking to investors out there. Start creating a credibility book and start getting people onto your database and just start letting people know what you do. And I think that's a natural progression also. Yeah, I think it's a great tip. Basically, there's no one size fits all, obviously, but you know, what you're saying is understand where you are right now, what your strengths are, and then work from there and see what's the next natural stream of income, master that and then move you know, and expand this way. And, and mm-hmm. I like it. I also like the Rockefeller habits. I haven't heard of it. I'm implementing OKRs. So I've read, uh, the, the name slips my mind right now, the book about OKRs, I, I forget the name. But this is basically what I've implemented in my company. And it's very similar. You basically, because I've, I've had the same issue where I, I told my employees, hey, we need to do this and this and this and this. And you're so excited about all the changes. It's really hard to say, hey, why don't you calm down, you know, prioritize and then give it to them in pieces. And that's what OKRs, you know, do that you have some, you know, you have objectives and you have key results and you're basically dividing them from Q1, what's what's most important Q1, then Q2, and, and... There's there's 10 rock habits. You want me to give you the first three to see if listeners are interested? Yeah, absolutely. 
Cool. So the first one is the executive team is, is healthy and aligned. And then there's, you know, some bullets really diving into each one or that. The second one is everyone is aligned with the number one thing that needs to be accomplished this quarter to move the company forward. So that's two. And the third rock habit is communication rhythm is established. Information moves through the organization accurately and quickly. And so that will be your cadence. Is the team meeting once a week? Do you have your morning huddle? And then is, is there like the greater quarterly planning going on? That's an example of the meeting rhythms and, and whatnot. So, and it's, it's discipline. It's, it's making sure you're sticking to it and, and not letting it slip. And then where's the organization? We, you know, we're, we're simple. We use for the most part, Google Docs for a lot of it, but I know some guys in the, for Rand Partners team are using Asana. You know, I'm mm-hmm. sure folks are familiar with that, but so it, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't need to be super complicated. It just needs to, yeah. I'm using it right there. That's not using so <laughs> <laughs> Whatever works, right? That's right. Yeah, exactly. So guys, what's the biggest challenges in managing multiple streams of income? For me, it's just like Jake said, I want to get so much done and setting proper goals because we're learning so much and, and every day is a process. And some days you stumble and you're like, oh, we're trying to do these two day events and they're not working. We're, the marketing is hard. I think the biggest thing in business is marketing. I mean, marketing and everyone just thinks, hey, you know what? Let me throw some stuff on social media. Well, do you have a great lead magnet? Do you have a great call to action? Do you have great copy? advertising to the right round of people, that's the last piece and the last component I think that we're struggling on more than anything else. We will figure it out. It's just a matter of time. That's the hardest thing about creating multiple streams of revenue. I think the other thing is just creating core values and your mission statement and sticking to it and hiring by it and firing by it. And that was the hardest thing for us about a year ago. Now I think we're really clear and precise on it. And for us, it permeates throughout the entire industry. So, you know, we, we say allowing people to become the best version of themselves. So for us, whether it's our residents, whether it's our, our employees, whether it's our investors, whether it's our education students, they're people first. They are the first ones that we have to serve. And that's what we try to permeate through our, our entire organization. And I think like Jake says, to have those daily huddles every morning and to be able to communicate throughout the entire platform, because Rand Partners might be doing something one day and Jake and Gino might be doing something another day, but they really have to be able to speak to each other. So that can be a little difficult at times. So that's, what, that's the challenges that we found. But without the proper communication, it can be challenging. I know we're, we're on these things and they look like the Brady Bunch because they got all these little squares and people are like, you know, I'm from different companies popping their heads up. But yeah, I, I think, you know, to the point earlier about the people systems and culture, you know, we're, we're talking about looking for ways to improve our marketing end of it. And I think it's like we're looking for the right person there to kind of head that up as a CMO. It's it's a, probably a gap that we have right now. So it's mm-hmm. it's identifying, okay, is it, is it a people issue? Is it a systems issue or is it a culture issue? And then, you know, digging down deeper to find out what it is, sometimes reverse engineering it and then just, you know, trying to find a solution. So. Yeah, that's wonderful. And I think, you know, once you create that, once you take the next step and you actually create a company and you work on multiple streams of income, you kind of have to, you know, learn how to work with, with your team. And, and that's not easy. Working with people is, it can be challenging at some, you know, at times to make sure everyone is aligned. I think that's, that's also one of the things that many syndicators are, you know, struggling with as they grow their, their company. They need scaling up coaching. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So one of the last questions that I have before we move to the lightning round questions is what is your favorite stream of income since you have so many that you're working on right now? Easy, easy. Straight up property draws. That is the number one. It's, it's so easy. I, that, that, like I said earlier, that's the business we're in. I just absolutely love the draw checks that come in every month from the, the units that we solely own. It's fantastic. 
So for me, I like that, but I also like the Jake and Gino because I like doing the events. We have boot camps, about six boot camps for a, a year with our students. We have money mixes with them. Yeah. Uh, we do live events with them. And, and just to show people, you know, about 10 of our students have quit their jobs full time. We've changed people's lives to get those. I mean, over 5,000 units that students have closed to get those emails every day and every week is really awesome because once you become financially free, more money you make, it's great. But if you can help others, it's ironic. You're going to make more money yourself, but it's just a lot of fun helping other people and, and being part of a community. So for me, I would say Jake, yeah, the first one is right, but I think Jake and Gino's Gino's favorite business is Jake and Gino education. That's, that's what he's saying. <laughs> yes. Yes. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, guys. I think it's time now for the lightning round questions. So we have five quick questions. Are you guys ready? Bring it. All right. So what's your favorite hobby? Who's up? Gino, go. Gino. I would say fishing. I like fishing. working out. Fishing and working out. Nice. Very nice. Do you have time to fish and work out? With yes, the gym's underneath me right now. <laughs> All right. That's good. What's the number one thing that people don't know about you? I got a phys ed degree in college. All right. Degree. I have six kids and I homeschool. You homeschool all, all your kids? All My wife does, but I'm, wow. I'm part of it. Yes. Wow. Very impressive. So what do you wish you had known when you started out? The biggest thing I, I wish I would have known, I would have focused on systems earlier on. Definitely, it took you know too long to understand that. And that's why I'm just so passionate and put so much of my time there. I, I definitely would have put more effort into systems and culture early on in the game. And if I had to go back, back, back into my 30s, I would say focusing on financial freedom and working on yourself and not working on a job and taking a job for less pay and, and trying to really learn a specific skill set. Learn sales, learn how to sell and learn how to have the mindset of putting everything off and working for the future. That's that's really what, what I wish I had done sooner earlier in life. All right. Next question. And it, there might be some overlap there, but what is your number one advice to a real estate investor who wants to scale their business? I would say education is the most important thing. Jake and I have spent over $300,000 just the last year alone, getting mentors, learning the scaling up, reinvesting in the businesses, writing the book. There's so many things you don't know that you don't know that if you can get a mentor who's done it and they can dramatically shorten your learning curve and open yourself up to their network, that's a true home run. That's a true win-win. So for me, don't worry about you know spending money or investing in your education or investing in your network. Join masterminds, surround yourself with great people. That will help you in this business because it is a relationship-based business. Yeah, and I would say take the long view. Multifamily takes a little while sometimes getting started, but you, you want to be looking long-term because it's not going to happen overnight. It's going to take a long time to build up the relationships. It's a relationship-based business, but you can look back in three to five years and your life will be completely different if you do it right. And it can be completely changed and you can be living you know, a life of more freedom and abundance than, than you previously were if you were in a corporate or W-2 scenario. All right. That's awesome. Jake and Gino, thank you so much for being on the show today. And lastly, where can people find you? Jakeandgino.com. You can check us out on iTunes, a Wheelbarrow Profits podcast. And we got the new book. Gino, you got the honeybee there? I got Mr. Stenziano right 64 here. five-star reviews right now. I'm going to jinx this right now, but <laughs> we're, we're, we're cranking there on the, on the Amazon. So That's awesome. Congratulations, guys. And thank, thank you so you. much again. Thanks, Thanks Ellie. Take care, everybody.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.